Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello guys and welcome along to today's podcast. This is the Health and Fitness Podcast brought to you by me, David Simpson from DGS Health and Fitness. So if you want to get fit, we will help you to get fit, stay fit and maintain a healthy lifestyle. So whether your goal is weight loss, muscle gain, losing body fat mass or just to get in shape and feel more confident in yourself, we can definitely help you. You can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, also on our YouTube channel, just search for DGS Health and Fitness or you can email us at dgshealthandfitness at hotmail.com that's dgshealthandfitness at hotmail.com or you can visit our website at www.dgshealthandfitness.com that's www.dgshealthandfitness.com DGS Health and Fitness, here to help you achieve more. Hello everybody and welcome along to this latest episode. Today's episode is with a former Scottish football player who spent his career with Middlesbrough. Born in Glasgow, Gary Hamilton started his career with Middlesbrough as an apprentice before signing professional at 17, making his first team debut aged 17 in 1983. Gary went on to play over 250 games for Middlesbrough with his last being against Sheffield Wednesday in 1989. However, he was awarded a testimonial against Sunderland in 1993 Today's guest, I'm delighted to say, is Gary Hamilton. Matt, how are you today? Are you okay? Yeah, not too bad. Pretty early over here in Texas, but that's all right. Uh, is it morning time over there then, is it? Yeah, it's 8 o'clock, yeah. All right. Yeah, I really, uh, really appreciate your time, especially with it being so early over there. So. No, no problem. I've got it. I, I, I normally up early anyway and I wait to work. So. Ah, good stuff, good stuff. Right, so we'll get started then, if, you, if you're ready, mate. Yeah, no problem. Fire away. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are your earliest memories of growing up as a kid? So, I mean, Glasgow, your hobbies and interests and that sort of thing? Oh, I don't know if I want to say what my hobbies and interests were over the air. Oh, my God. I could get myself in trouble, especially Glasgow in the, the late 60s and early 70s. But um, I think, like every kid during them eras, they, we just made our own stuff up. Obviously, football was a a big uh, part of our lives. Um, and like most people, where uh, I grew up with like 
four best friends and um, grew up in a pretty rough area in Springburn and Glasgow. Um, but hey, we made what we had to do of what we had to get on with. And um, I mean, it was actually a fun time. I mean, you try and explain to your kids this day and age what it was like growing up then and they just look at you and laugh at you and say, shut up, no, that didn't happen. Yeah. But it, it didn't It didn't do us any harm, um, that's for sure. But um, no, it was great times, uh, rough. Uh, sometimes it was difficult and hard, but our parents done a, as best as it could to make sure we got everything we wanted, which was probably close to nothing. And then, um, no, we've done well. Yeah, different times back then, wasn't it, to what it is now? They're all on computers and things. Very, and very, very, much, very, very much so. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if, if, if there was gossip, it was only coming out of people's mouth that wasn't going on uh, over the social media and stuff like that. Nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, crazy now. Uh, so when you were growing up then, did you always, always have ambitions to be a football player? Or was there anything else that you wanted to do? Yes, uh, I did. I, I think that was every kid's. Uh, dream in the UK. I, I still think it is. Um, uh, but um, yeah, my dad was like, my dad played semi-pro for like Blackwatch and everybody always told me growing up if I was half as good as my dad, I would be a professional football player. So obviously now with me and my dad, I tell my dad oh, because I was a professional football player and he wasn't. But yeah. uh, he's, he's still not having any of that. But yeah, um, no, that was my ambition. I mean, um uh, we 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 kind of had a my mother had a plan behind it all as well, um, which was I never really realised until I moved to Middlesbrough what the big plan was. But my mum told me or asked me when I was twelve or thirteen if I really wanted to be a professional soccer player because at that time I'd already going to quite a lot of professional clubs and training with them and stuff like that. And then she told me my mum, I suppose you you could get back, you could get away with this back in the seventies. Yeah, I mean, she pulled me out of school. I mean, she pulled me out of French classes and all 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 the classes she knew that weren't going to really do me any good in life. And um, I'd stay at home. I would cook, wash, clean, iron, make the dinners, and I didn't know what I was getting prepared for. But she was really was preparing me for, really for later on in life, because what else I didn't know was that I was never going to be able to play for either Glasgow Celtic or Glasgow Rangers. Well, could play for Rangers anyway because I was a Catholic. So that was never going to happen. And Glasgow Celtic, actually, I could have gone and signed for them, but my mother wanted me out of Glasgow. Just in her mind, it wasn't a great place. So uh, because I was going to be moving to England, which it looked like it was going to be doing, um, that's why she did all these things and made me do get prepared for life in general. So it was a master plan, really. It was, in, And it worked. It did. Because to this day, I'm still... To this day, I'm still pretty self-efficient, even though I've been married for 38 years. <laughs> yeah, so can you remember your first uh, football coach then when you were when you were playing as a youngster? So, say that again? Your, your first coach when you were playing as a youngster, can you remember who, who your first coach yeah. was? Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was the reason why, it was the reason why we signed at Middlesbrough. Uh, Bobby Murdoch, yeah. who was the Glasgow Celtic like icon, so he was. I mean, he was idolised at Parkhead. And... Um, I was um, I was actually Everton, West Brom, Ips in Manchester United were the teams that I would go to during my school vacations and stuff like that. And I would train with them for the weeks and stuff. So Middlesbrough was only a one-day tryout. And I came down and I played in the youth team on a Sunday. I drove down, played the game, drove back. And they called the next day. They asked if I would agree to 
go with an apprenticeship offer to uh, the borough. And my mother was like, you're going. And I, I really didn't have much say at all. I mean, realistically, I wanted to go to Ipswich, but that was too far away. Yeah. Um, and the next best deal was Everton and West Brom. And at that time, West Brom were really good. I mean, they were very, very good. And um, anyway, Middlesbrough was a lot closer. Um, it had uh, the Medhurst Hotel, which housed a lot of the guys that they were from out of town and stuff. My mum liked that. She loved Bobby Murdoch. She loved, and, and at that time as well, funny enough, they had quite a few Scottish guys on the books. So they did. So my mum thought, well, at least you've got people here. So Mid Mid Middlesbrough it was and never looked back. Yeah. So when what can you remember of Middlesbrough in, when they first was interested in you from Middlesbrough then? What can you remember of that? And I mean, I mean, because because of youngsters, we followed the game and stuff. I mean, and um, I, I knew Middlesbrough were a, a pretty young team at the time. Yeah. Um, I knew they were probably. But my dad told me all about it. My dad was like, "They're only a couple of players short of probably being a really, really good force in the old Division One." And um, but hey, when you're young, you don't care about the financial side of clubs and stuff, and you don't see the business side of what needs to be done to make things survive. And I think back then they started, when I, I came down in the winter of 1981, the December, I remember that the snow was unbelievable. And um, that's when they started selling players, right on the turn of that 82, like Craig Johnston, Dave Hodgson, Spike, all the best players started to jump ship. And and then it was just, that's when the dark clouds came over Middlesbrough, I suppose. Yeah, that was sort of a decline, wasn't it? Just found about that early 80s. Yeah, 82, 82 was a kind of 81, 82 was the last season in Division One for a long time, and um, a lot of the good players left. And then, basically, after that, uh, with uh, Bobby, I think um, I can't remember who came in. I think Jack, I think Jack actually came back for a while. I know he did because yeah. I played under yeah, Mal uh, Jack, then Malcolm, and then Willie. But yeah, but um, yeah, me rest in peace, Jack. He was. A, ca a character larger than life, that was for sure. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, Willie's no longer with us these days, is he? He was a, he was a oh, good coach and yeah. a good man as well. Yeah, he really is. I, uh, I see his son now and again over here in the States, and Willie was brilliant. It's a shame in a way because, and I know we'll probably get into that, but it's a shame in a way because the, the 86 team really, if you really delve into it, it was actually Willie's team. So it was. Um, but going back to the 82, 83, 84 season when I started, it didn't really bother me because I was only 17 years old. I mean, again, I wasn't looking at, at the club going to... Obviously, I was at the club going to survive or whatever. I was just enjoying playing like professional soccer in the first team. doesn't matter if there was 4,000 people there or 20,000 people. It just, to me, it was just such a blessing to be and an honour just to be so young and to be highly thought of by people who were... who who would have high regards in the game, then I was definitely just proud to do that. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Like, uh, it was sort of, like you say, it was early 80s and you were you, 17, weren't you? Was it, was it 17 when you first signed your first pro contract then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I came down there when I was like 60, just before my 60th birthday or something like that. So I did. So managed to get out of school early, which was always good for Scottish kids. Yeah. And you made your debut at 17, didn't you? Um, your first team debut. What, what can you remember about that? Was it against Bolton? Was it was it an away game, wasn't it? It was a away game. I think it was I think it was Bolton away or Yeah. I always thought it was Barnsley, but it was Bolton. I knew it started with a B. Um 
uh, it came around because I remember Joe Bolton, who was a regular left back, got injured, and um, I was just I was I was playing in the reserves, which to me was brilliant in itself because our reserve team had a lot of first team players in it all the time as well, and um, and basically I think it fell down to like because I was I, I was naturally right footed, but I could play with my left, and I came down from Scotland as probably one of the most promising attacking midfield players from Scotland and then I ended up playing left back for Middlesbrough so I still scratched my head on that one and um, and I was I was I wouldn't say I was soft I definitely wouldn't say I was soft but I wouldn't say I was like the kind of maniac I turned out to be at Middlesbrough I mean I suppose I just had to learn how to grow up and look after myself but I definitely didn't come down as I definitely didn't come down from Scotland as a hard man that's for sure <laughs> so yeah, how things how I things turned out. Time, go on. Yeah, how things turned out and find out, I, I really don't know what happened there. Yeah, I think obviously that, that sort of time they were looking for midfielders who scored goals and they were maybe expecting you to be this sort of a, like attacker midfielder, but then you, you proved out to be a, like a tough tackling, no nonsense kind of midfielder, really, didn't you? It, it really was, yeah, it was kind of funny. <laughs> kind of funny how it spun around the other way. Yeah, I know I've spoke to um, a few sort of um, older players and I've spoke to uh, Phil Stamp. I know Phil, Phil Stamp was sort of, uh, you were sort of one of his heroes growing up as well. He sort of moulded his sort of game a little bit on yourself. Yeah, I, I speak to Phil pretty, I mean, not often, but I mean, it was over, I think he holidays in New York quite a bit. Yeah. And stuff like that. I knew his dad really well. And then I think everybody knew his dad actually pretty well back in them days. And um, yeah, no, Phil's a great young, yeah, young guy. Young guy. He he done really well at Middlesbrough. He was an apprentice when I was playing, so maybe that was why he was kind of always like looking to me as well. I know Jamie Pollock said the same. So yeah. I don't, I don't know, don't know whether I should be proud that I've made all the Middlesbrough cycles like cycles. So, I mean, but um, I'll take it. I mean, they're all they're all fine young men, and especially, um, it, it, it's pleasing, and I'm proud to know that it's young like local lads who have wanted to maybe play the same way as I did. Well, I will say this, though, you wouldn't get away with it today. Oh, no, you can't even tackle players these days, can you? No, I just, sometimes I hear people, I, how they miss games with what certain injuries they have, and I, I just have to laugh. Um, oh. Back in the day, we were running around with fractured wrists and holes in my knees and all kinds of stuff, and no, you just, you just that's just not done today. Yeah, I think a lot of the players these days forget there's cameras on and everywhere, so then you see when players are just falling around on the floor and there's nothing wrong with them. No, there's not. But hey, they, they get away with it. And it's a shame because the managers can't really do anything about it either because at the end of the day, it's all about player power now. Yeah. You say something, say something to a player and you possibly could get fired. Yeah, that's it. it's definitely different these days, isn't it? Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad I don't coach men. That's what I've always said. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I would last very long at all. Yeah. So, like, your time at Middlesbrough, then, was it about eight or nine years in total you had there? Well, actually, it's 10. 82 through 92. Yeah, they say, they, they, yeah. Yeah, they say 83 because that's when I signed my actual professional contract. But I was there in yeah. 82 because I was an apprentice. So it was. And then I resigned in 92. That's when I my contract finished. And we kind of knew... Um, but I wasn't going to come back from that anyway. So we decided, I think about 18 months prior to 92, I think we announced the testimonial at the Man United game in the semi-final of the Little Woods Cup and stuff. And 
I just, I just, it was just too long. I was already 27 months on the injury list and, and I was sick of putting my family through all the turmoil that I put them through. Yeah. And, and it was hard to get to a certain 80% fit. And every time I got there, I would just break down. And I'll never forget, I was playing in the reserves at Rochdale on some miserable Wednesday night and it was cold and raining. And and actually, I think I'd just been named back into the squad for the Man City game at home. And I think it was 80 minutes. And actually, I was really playing well because I'd actually, the 27 months out had made me come to realise that I thought when you sit and ponder and think and um, and watching more games and, and then now coaching a little bit on the side, I, th- I always said to myself when I come back, I was going to be a different player, which that, I mean, obviously we never know now anyway. So, but um, it was um, a different to watch it all when you're injured and it's very difficult to, when you're an injured player, especially out for a long period of time because you do become like a lost soul I mean, you're in the gym yourself and all that kind of stuff. But um, it was um, an experience that uh, I wouldn't want anybody to go through. But because mine was so long, I just had to get on with it and focus on trying to get back. But that night in Rochdale, some snotty-nosed little 17-year-old smacked me. And um, and I didn't see him, actually. I mean, it was my own fault. But he, he made me just crumble like a pile of crap on the floor. And I just, no, nah, I got up. And um, I, I spoke to um, Bruce about it, and because um, Bruce was at the game, because he was there to watch me to see how I did for Saturday. And I, on the way back in the bus, I says, "Bruce, if a little kid can do this to me, I don't. I, I mean, just think the force of a, I don't know, a Terry Herlock or something like that." I says, and "I don't know." I says, "I think my health has to become a, a bit of an issue here." Yeah. And, um, that was it. That was the night we decided that, you know, I mean, enough's enough and I'm, I'm just going to have to look for a different path. But Bruce was, I mean, a lot of people, people are, all, I mean, people have their opinions and stuff, but the actual facts are Bruce Riel was, I mean, he was like a second dad to me. He was a second dad to all of us. But to me personally, he was, I don't see there would be many managers like him. I mean, he came to see me every single day. He spent 15 minutes out of his day every day with me to chat with me even though he was super busy with everything else. Because um, I think he knew what it was like to be an injured player by yourself. And obviously, he thought I was a very important player for the club. So that was obviously a very nice thing from him. But he was also the one where my contract my contract was coming to an end. And he basically got me a contract for three or four years to take me to the testimonial. Because yeah. he said he thought I'd done enough for the club that I deserved that. So... Hey, I've got no fault with that man. That man to me is like, he is, he is Mr. Mid- Other than Steve Gibson, he is Mr. Middlesbrough to me. Yeah, he still fondly remembered these, like, like after what you sort of done in them, them uh, sort of dark days in the 80s. I well, we lived, to- lived together as well, though. We lived in digs for like 18 months together, which was never, which was not really a good thing, but it, it was a great thing. But my God, did it rope me in? Oh, yeah. God, I couldn't do what I wanted anymore. Which was actually a really good thing. Yeah, probably kept you in check a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. No, he was he was one. I mean, all the stories you hear about him being like a disciplinarian, he was because he just wanted you to be the fittest, the best machine that you could be at the time. I mean, he, he didn't want he didn't not want you not to party and have a good time, but there was always the right time for that. If it was the wrong time, in his opinion, then you got fined. It was just that simple. Yeah, he'd certainly let you know that, wouldn't he? 
Yeah, you just have to ask Bernie and Pally about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know Bernie has uh, different memories of those days. So you fell up with no, a few of the managers. Yeah, you listen to it. No, no, Bernie, I do speak to quite a lot um, still. It's really funny, that group of 86 players, we kind of, we've kept in touch. We didn't really keep in touch a lot. I kept in touch with certain individuals up until uh, Parky's uh, situation and when that came to a light with uh, Gary being very sick. Yeah. Then we all kind of reunited together. I know, I know we came for the dinner and we've done all that, but even since then, we've actually kept in touch a lot more and that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that just shows the mutual respect we all have for each other. And obviously we want one of our ex-teammates to get better. Uh, I mean, so the, the the bond between that group is, is just really, I know other teams have it and stuff, but it's very strange. I mean, it's, yeah. it is pretty unique. Yeah. Did you do something for the 30th anniversary? Did you all make up around about that time as well? I flew back for that as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I flew back for that. I had some part, which I thought was a really good thing as well. And I think, I think, I think every single player was there. Even Gary was there. Parky was there. Yeah, I remember seeing pictures and things of, of that back uh, a couple of years back. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. So you played against you played sorry for a few different managers back in those days, like like some Malcolm Allison, William Adrian, Bruce Rioch, Colin Todd. Uh, I think Lenny Lawrence as well. Who would you say was your favourite, or maybe the best coach? Maybe not so much manager, but coach. Malcolm. 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 We, 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 hands down, no disrespect to any of the other guys. All the other guys were brilliant football brains and stuff like that. But Malcolm Allison is such a shame because he was, he was a way beyond his time for the time, if you know what I mean. He was doing things in training that they probably do today. So he was like, he was doing things that we, everybody was looking at him going, well, is he nuts? Is he stupid? But he wasn't. The guy was, the guy was a soccer genius. I mean, he was not into the old style of running up mountains and hills with somebody on your back and all that stuff to get your big, thick legs and stuff. He was into body movement and sharpness and stuff like that. The stuff that we'd never seen before. I mean, never. You know, he introduced a dance like instructor and all that kind of stuff. We were all like, oh, he's lost. He's been drinking too much champagne or something like that. But um, but Malcolm gave me my chance as well. I made my debut under Malcolm, and um, and for some reason he. I mean, he took to me and I took to him. And um, I mean, as in sheer soccer tactical brain, I would say um, definitely Malcolm, overall manager. Obviously, there's no doubt it's Bruce. I mean, uh, Bruce had something that's just, I mean, in tactically as well, he was fantastic. But Bruce had something that just made you want to play for Bruce. Whether you whether you like whether you loved him, you kind of liked him, or you hated his guts. When when you were leaving that dressing room, you wanted to win. You wanted to win for yourself, but you wanted to win for the club. He made the club the most more most important thing. It wasn't an individual thing. It wasn't about you. It wasn't about your teammate or whatever. It was about what we were prepared to do for the club. And he was absolutely fantastic at doing that. Brilliant. Yeah, and I think he just sort of commanded that respect, didn't he? He was like a sort of that's kind of a figure, really. He was, and some players, some players could take it, some players couldn't take it, but they just basically had to get on with it. There was no other choice. I mean, and and he was brilliant. His his philosophy and his psychology stuff was fantastic. Where you'd be going to his office, you'd be called in, and you think you were going to get the shit ripped out of you, and then all of a sudden he's your best pal, and he's telling you great things and then when you're expecting great things to be said about you he rips the shit out of you it's yeah. like it was 
he was he was an odd he was an odd wasn't odd it was just it was unusual because back in them days you were just told what was really supposed to be going on if you were screwing up you were screwing up if you weren't screwing up that I mean but he was a master at things and I mean some of the stuff he pulled off I mean the the playoff the playoff strategy was incredible um just all the big games he did and yeah it's um I I, I love playing for Bruce I really did yeah. Yeah, you just sort of mentioned a little bit the playoffs there. I mean, the first season after liquidation, promotion was gained, but it was a nil-nil draw with Wigan, wasn't it, to take second place? Yeah. What, what are your memories of that particular game and obviously the, that time? I, I can remember I, um, having a go at Archie after the game, telling him I couldn't believe he couldn't score the header because that's all we bought before was to score like, goals with his head. Yeah. And um, I, I, I don't really remember much of the, the game in a way of... Um, just how the game went. I remember us being on top of the game most of the game. We just couldn't score. Um, but everybody seemed to be more concerned about because there was another game going on. I think it was Swindon and somebody yeah. else and everybody everybody was more concerned about that. And that was getting to us on the pitch and stuff. But I, I think without being cocky over confident, I think we knew we were going to get promoted because when you look, we were the best football team in that league. But sometimes the best football team doesn't win things. You know what I mean? But just because we thought we were the best football team, but we had the best manager, then I think we thought we had the right ingredients to go up. And um, when, when the final whistle went, it was great. I mean, the scenes and stuff for Ayrson Park after having what, four or five years of just dark clouds over the area and, and a lot of other things were going on outside football. I think the steelworks were closing down, and yeah. it was just a just a bad time for people in Teesside. And them. I, I think to give that little bit of joy back was see it. I mean, I remember the parade at the city hall for Christ's sake. Oh my God, it was nuts. I mean, just uh, I think every single person in Middlesbrough and all the surrounding areas came out to celebrate the, the promotion. So it was good to give the the town uh, at least something back because even though it's funny. I mean, every time I hear about that Hartley, uh, the game <laughs> at Hartlepool, there must have been 50,000 fans at that, 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 that park. But I, if I remember correctly, there was only like 5,000. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but that's okay. But it, it, like I said, at least it give a lot of joy back to the town. Yeah, because Hartlepool actually played at home the same day, didn't they? Yeah, they, we played early and they played about three hours later or something, or five yeah. hours later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, and then, then I think we played them Maybe the following week. It was definitely, it wasn't more than two weeks. Then we played them in the cup and then we kicked them out of the cup. <laughs> yeah. That was, was nice of us. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Very nice of you, yeah, I must say. <laughs> yeah, so obviously uh, the following season, you prom- got promoted again. But uh, really, we should have went up as, uh, as fir- well, in the top two, really, shouldn't we? They got beat against Leicester in one of the last games. What were your thoughts really at, at that time? Because I think everyone sort of expected us to win really and get promoted. That's the first time as a group I've seen us kind of getting ahead of ourselves. Um, I, I'll never forget that, the Leicester game. Because I went upstairs because I had family members down from Scotland. And I was upstairs maybe about 45 minutes prior to kickoff because I used to go to the gym and warm up anyway. I never used to go on the field to warm up, especially the home games. And at the, the gym upstairs, I walked through to the function rooms and then, um, and it was carnival. It was like a party, and I was like, well, "Why the hell are we celebrate? We've not, we've not won shit yet." 
and I was not that kind of person. I, that that really bothered me, did. And then, even though we used to get the write-ups and the dossiers of the other team, I mean, Leicester, I think we all forgot that they had Gary McAllister and Peter Weir, and they had some good football players. Yeah. And I think, um, if I'm being honest, I think we already thought we'd had it in the bag and we'd won it before we'd even stepped on the field. And and then I think that I think once Leicester came out because I think they even I think they even outplayed us at home as well. I mean I think they even I mean basically kind of took it to us and not many teams done that to us at Essen Park. And I think that was a bit of a shock to the system. And I just think a few of us lay down and had their bellies rubbed and thought, well, we'll leave it to the next game, or we were banking on the other result going for us, which. I'm a great believer and never, ever expect anybody else to do you a favour. Yeah. Um, yeah, so after that game, it was so, so disappointed. I was so disappointed. I wanted to... Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.